You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker. We have no Micah Richards or Alan Shearer for this episode, but we do have a very special guest, a former Ballon d'Or winner, Serie A winner, Champions League winner and hero of Ukrainian football and much more. A warm welcome to Andriy Shevchenko. Welcome, Andriy. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much, Gary. Um, you've got a new book out called My Life, My Football. Um, I've read it over the last two days. Highly recommended. Um, it's it's very entertaining, very interesting. Um, it starts with the war, the recent war, the invasion of, uh, of Russia and Ukraine, and, and a phone call that you received from your mother. So I think perhaps we should start there as well. How difficult have the last couple of years been? It's been very tough, and uh, the worst is the war is not stop. It's 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 getting worse, and uh, yeah, if if go back and remember that moment uh, when my mom called me early in the morning, the her voice was uh, it's difficult to describe. She was very nervous, emotional, emotional. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, I, I realized that. The, for for few weeks we we know that it could something happen because it was a lot of rumor talking about. Uh, but I can't believe that Russia will get in action to start the full uh, war against Ukraine. And when the mom called me and said that, uh, that was I was in shock. Yeah. What, what did she say exactly? She she she's basically crying and she said that uh, the war started because she she heard the big explosion and uh, in the radio the people start to saying that uh, the russian uh, helicopters uh, coming inside of the ukrainian land and uh, that was the important infrastructure airports been hit by, by missiles and this is how how I know about the war being started. And and how was that for you receiving that phone call? It must have been quite terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying and uh, I was in shock. I was frustrating because I just wake up, I immediately talk to my wife and I was very early in the morning, but I said this, I don't know what I have to do. Will I go back or not? And it been a lot of phone calls for the friends and it's a lot of people was in shock and... Uh, 
I remember that in immediately that was the field of traffic, the people's try to leave the country, try to leave Kiev, and uh, it's absolutely how it started. You had your mother's in Kiev? My mom decided to stay. Yeah. My mom and my sister decided to stay, and uh, I spoke, I said, Mom, please, you know, I can provide you everything that move you. Mm. She said, no, that uh, we want to stay in the house, we want to see, we don't know for how long this war going to be. And then uh, we just want to wait a little bit. How hard is that, though, f f for you, knowing that perhaps your mother and your sister and, and I, I presume many friends and other family that you have at home, it's, how, how difficult is that for you, thinking about them back there? No, it was tough. It just, uh, we don't know for how long, the, what, what the purpose of the invasion, you know, that uh, it just, uh, within, within not the plans of mm. the Putin, yeah. Uh, within plans of Russian, what exactly uh, Russian planning. And then there was first talk of Putin. He said the plans of the Russia and uh, he want to kind of clear and we realize he's he, he going to be very serious. He's going to be for long because the actual war started 2014 for us. But the, the first evasion, it was Crimea, Donetsk, it started 2014. And then this is the second part, but this, we, we know it's going to be a lot more bigger. It personally, for me, uh, I was worried about my family, but also I was worried about existing of Ukraine. Because when someone starts second time, that I realized that it's going to be very serious. And the potential with the Russian army is very big. Uh, but uh, after a couple of days, I realized that people in Ukraine stand up, that the, the very famous speech of the uh, President Zelensky to address to the country, to the people of Ukraine, address to the world that he's not going to leave, he can stay in Ukraine, and then uh, people united around him. Mm. And then just everything starts to move in so fast. I suppose in many ways for you, you grew up as part of Russia and as the old Soviet Union. Yeah. And now, obviously, it, in 1991, didn't it got in independence and Ukraine became its, its own country. In many ways, it must be incredibly difficult to understand why you basically your fellow countrymen could do this against your same people. I call that false reality. Because mm. we was living in some world would not exactly reflected the the truth. Like uh, you know, for me, first reality when you live in with someone, what is saying we are brother, we are good friends, and separation from Russia, in 1991, I think so. Mm. That was the big part. You know, uh, we start to get independence, but we realize that uh, it's something different between Ukrainian and Russian culture. Mm. And then more time was passing, more uh, that uh, separation start to get in bigger and bigger. And uh, I think the reason that the Russia probably started the invasion on 2014, that he wanted the Ukraine stay mm. close, and, but we want to live in separate yeah. To be separate country, our vision, my vision, most of the people of Ukraine, that vision to to be part of the Europe, to be to be yeah. to live a freedom life. Mm. What was it like growing up in in Kiev, which was 
as we said, part of Russia in, in, in that point. Tough upbringing? No, in the beginning was, uh, I've said that it was fun because when you're a young boy, you basically wake up every day, um, you go to school playing football, play different sport. You have a dream to, to become professional football player. And I was, it was fun, fun for me. I was going around playing football, joined IH9, Dynamo Kiev, youth team, start to my first, uh, I'd say, career like, like a football player in Dynamo Kiev, youth. And that was fun. My first coach, basically, he he discovered me. Uh, I was playing some very small tournament in my region that where is I I was living there between the friends. And he he comes just try to search for young talent, and he he asked me to come. This is how I start to to play for Dynamo yeah. Kiev. And you said you were nine years old. That was also the time that I, I had no idea about until I read it through in the book that you had to be evacuated because of, of, of Chernobyl. Yeah, that was uh, some crazy time because mm. in the time when I was joined Dynamo Kiev, I think the months or even a couple of weeks after, there was a big explosion of Chernobyl uh, reactor. And uh, like about months uh, we know is something happened, but Union Soviet keep it everything very quiet, secretive, secret. And but my dad, he, he served to to Russian military at that time, and he, he knows that some serious stuff come. And um, there is also story when when I brought the ball. Uh, she found in a tree. Yeah, I, I find the this couple balls uh, in in some old building, and uh, and I, I brought couple in the house. And that time, my dad uh, he come with the device who uh, can measure the kind the, of radioactive uh, radioactivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when he did, he is actually like say we have to throw this ball and then so the ball was radioactive yeah, yeah radioactivity wow. yeah. yeah and they said we, we immediately have to burn that and um in tw 24 hours the authority decide to remove all all the young people from kiev must have been strange or very strange but yeah. but again uh we was very worried we didn't know what's going on because nobody was safe yeah. but I stay close to my sister. We was in the same village. It was the camp, camp for for the for yeah. the schools, yeah. And then if I we was safe, we was playing a lot of sport. You know, we were. My sister look after me because she's a little bit older than me, and that was okay. And we come back. I think the situation was stabilized, and then we restart the school. And I I was never thinking even to go back and train with Dynamo Kiev. Oh, you thought that might be it all over? Yeah, no, I was I was basically, I was not take some serious, but I think that was in September or early October, my my first coach basically come to my house and then talk to my parents. And when I walk inside, I was surprised he was there. And he, he just reminded me that you know, I was part of you, 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 you <laughs> youth team. If I wanna restart to to practice with Dynamo Kiev, and obviously I was very surprised. But that was my career started. 
I find it very interesting, your relationship, um, particularly with, with your father, who's obviously very important. You're talking about your schoolwork and it wasn't going particularly well. And then you said you, you were determined to be a, a footballer at that stage. Um, and he gave you a 12-month a ultimatum at, at one point, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, the story was um, I couldn't find the team. And then that was the time when I have to apply to your university. And actually, I applied yeah. to university, but I didn't pass the exams. And then uh, I just come back to home, and I was very upset. And then uh, we have a family chat, whereas my dad, he was talking to me, like, maybe it's a time to change the route. Mm. Maybe to go uh, next year, you know, he could uh, help me to, to go maybe in... In different direction. The military, uh, I think. Military, yeah. yeah that's exactly. what your father was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, but I I was quite confident about uh, my future. Like, I, I said to him, like, give me your 12 months, please. And if I can prove, you know, my my desire, my quality, my, uh, what I, you know, uh, dreaming to, to be. Things got my, my dad was a good man. He he gave me this opportunity because he the, the basically he my mom convinced him like <laughs> that's usually the way yeah she is she she did all the uh, work behind and three four months after everything changed for me mind you i think that's a good motivation not to join the military yeah. or be a footballer you're yeah. gonna try extra hard exactly yeah. it's probably a slightly better life yeah. um than, than in the military but I, i've said that it's very similar because in the condition when i was training with valery lobanovsky yeah he was very important to you wasn't he lobanovsky yeah 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 but very similar to military camp <laughs> in his yeah. training yeah it was yeah. that hard was it but like two two training a day is normal you know, and then uh, also we have to live inside of the training camp. He give us uh, holidays, but we mostly stay there. It's like proper camp. Yeah, really? Yeah. It obviously did you did well for you. You, you ended yeah. up making it, obviously, at Dynamo Kiev, and the world started to take note of Andriy Shevchenko. Yeah. Um, and clubs were interested in you. And the big one came along, didn't it, AC Milan? Tell us how that happened. I think that... Crucial moment um, in my career, uh, that was the game against Barcelona. Hat-trick. Yeah, hat-trick, no camp. Yeah. you got to be a good player to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the, uh, the moment when I really shine in mm. the game and then the Champions League, Barcelona. Luis van Gaal coach, Figo, Rivaldo, Guardiola, I think, mm. played too. It would have been, yeah, probably. Yeah. And then um, great team, great players, and uh, uh, we beat Barcelona away for nil. And then I, I scored hat trick. After that, that I think the rumors start to come out, and a lot of scouting, and then uh, teams start to look at me. Yeah. But was, uh, was it at this stage of your career when you did something like that that you perhaps started to believe even more in yourself, or, or did you always think you, that you would get to the top? No, I was I. I pretty much confidence about me because yeah. uh, I might not that confidence real life, but when I go in the pitch, I know what I'm doing. It's interesting. I saw in your book that you talked about that. You, you said that I'm actually quite, quite shy, quite timid yeah. Yeah. Um, off the pitch in, in, in groups with people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people read that the wrong way. I think you said something like people sticking a thousand labels on my back. 
What did you mean by that? Do you think people thought perhaps it was an arrogance or? In real life, I'm, I could be shy and, you know, I, I like, I like doing my stuff, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on the stuff. I love sport and in general, but, uh, I'm quite shy and I'm not talk a lot. Maybe if I didn't know people well, and then I might, I might didn't look confident, but mm. if I go in the pitch, that is my. You're a different human being. Yeah. That is my yeah. part where is I really feel well there. How was it for a young boy going from Ukraine suddenly in the limelight of playing for a big club like Milan? Must have been some pressure there. Yeah, big pressure, a lot of responsibility. Mm. And uh, Valery Lobanovsky, he played big part on that mm. in, in my transition between Dinamo Kiev players to IC Milan. We talk a lot before my transfer because he 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 did agree that was for me is the best time to live in yeah. club because he he wouldn't he doesn't want to hold me for a long time because he said that you're ready now we we talk a lot and then I remember that important words what he said to me like I know you're ready now but remember that you you got in the level and but it's it's very difficult but more difficult to stay a longer longevity of your career. You need to really work on that. You need to have a plans how you want to keep it your career and then long period. And then that conversation is kind of stuck on my head because in the beginning I was uh, like everyone were quite, uh, you know, young age, mm. loves to go out, you know, <laughs> have a fun with the people. But he brought that uh, a mentality for me to be more responsible, discipline, and uh, that is work on me and in a very good way. Yeah, when it I helps you in the future, doesn't it? I, I had a similar thing with a coach that when I was young, yeah. if you get that person that you respect, and yeah. even if you're a little bit scared of them or in, intimidated by them, because it's very easy to go off the rails, yeah. isn't it, when you're, a, when you're a young footballer? When I joined to Milan, my clear pictures that I want to get success in mm. there and I have to work hard. And then this is what I did it. I just concentrate. I didn't go anywhere. And then I was lucky also because the group of uh, Milan uh, players, that was such a good people. And then they look after me. Mm. Since I joined the IC Milan, uh, players like Billy Costacurta, Dimitro Albertini, senior players, Paolo Maldini, you always look after me, especially in the first year. Mm. Like Billy Costa Curta, he was, he invited me to the dinner every time. He helped me to learn Italian. Mm -hmm. He looked after me. And then the, that time, Alberto Zaccheroni coach, he also like give me a little bit time to adapt for Italian football. Italian football it's is very tough. different. It's tough. tough. Yeah. Defensive as well. Yeah. Hard for a striker, which brings me to uh, the start of your relationship with, with Silvio Berlusconi, which is a very interesting one. Um, yeah. Um, it's a thread through that part of your career. And, and, and when you first signed for them, I had a little challenge for the amount of goals that, yeah, yeah, that you yeah. scored. Yeah, I was I was in shock a little bit because in Ukraine the the attention for the players is very different. 
like Italy, if you if you play football, you basically you you some you got you something <laughs> like uh, I mean, Italian lives for football, loves mm. football, loves personality, loves great player, and then I think the Berlusconi probably saw and then they believe in my career in AC Milan, and they've been so nice. And the first first time when I met him, he in front of everyone, he said, like, if I score a 24 goal and then first season, because Van Basten scored that time 24, yeah. he said that he, he gonna give me a boat, uh, <laughs> yeah, for to go to vacation. Yeah. And basically that was the challenge. Yeah. And then uh, that first season I scored 23 goals, not 24, but yeah. <laughs> and one short. <laughs> one short, but anyway, he, Basically, he responded for his words, and mm. he we, we got the boat, and then I, I invite my my friends from IC Milan. We we did a very nice vacation. For yeah, perfect. You took the number um, seven at, at Milan as well. That's quite an interesting story, isn't yeah. it? The, the significance of the number seven. Yeah, that um, I was playing under uh, ten uh, in Dinamo Kiev, and. Um, when I joined the IC Milan, th that time number ten was Boban, mm. and then I, 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 <laughs> he is such a great player yeah. that and I a great know guy. that. I know him well. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we 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 become very good friends uh, in the time when I was playing, and uh, I know it's it's no chance I can get that number, <laughs> but uh, Ibrahim Ba, the French player, yeah, he. He become good friends and he come to me, he said, Andre, I take my number, you know, seven. They say, he's going to bring you uh, luck. Yeah. And then I said, okay, thank you so much. And mm. and then the, also the story was that seven in uh, Hebrew. Hebrew, yeah. Yeah, is, is, uh, is a Sheva. Sheva, your, which yeah. is your nickname. Is a nickname, yeah. yeah. So, and you didn't know that before you no, chose the seven? No, Yeah. And it, and it was quite a lucky number, wasn't it? Yeah. You had an unbelievable time at, at Milan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's obviously the pinnacle yeah. of your career. Yeah, that was a great part. Um, a lot of success, a lot of uh, good games, uh, great partnership with with the friends. Like, we like we was like family, you know. We we go along, we, in, in, in Italian culture, uh, if you, you go along with the people, you're having a very good time. Yeah. Also, Real Madrid came in for you at that point. Yeah. Um, and you went and told Silvia Berlusconi um, and um, you turned it down. Turned down the possibility of Real Madrid. Not many people do that. I I justified that, that I uh, I just joined IC Milan. That was my second year, yeah. just finished. And then uh, when Silvio called me and uh, he asked me what I think about because there's a serious offer and... Uh, that time, that always Real Madrid is a big team, and said if it's not only him, I have to make the decision because it's also my life. Yeah. And I said to him, I I feel like I I didn't finish uh, something what I started here. I didn't win anything. I want to win with IC Milan something, and then say good. Yeah. And then he turned down the the offer, and I stayed there. What was he like? Because he has a, a, a mixed reputation. What, what's Berlusconi the man? What was he really like? Obviously, he passed away recently. I want to talk about Berlusconi, what I know when he was in IC Milan. 
yeah. where in my career because uh, obviously you know the time has passed it's mm. Um, there was some controversial mm. situation too about Ukraine, but I'm gonna talk about uh, when I was there. He's basically uh, he's a great owner. He loves football. He he gives everything to the players, and he really care about IC Milan. Let's go on to winning things, which is very important, isn't it? And um, when you're with Milan. It's really a tale of two penalty shootouts, isn't it? I mean, when you're talking about the Champions League, yeah. um, one memorable, one that you'd probably want to forget. But um, let's take the first one. Uh, you played the game, it was Old Trafford, wasn't it, against Juventus? Yeah. Um, it was nil-nil after full time. It was nil-nil after extra time. And, and it went to penalties. And, and Ancelotti wanted you to go first or second. No, he in the asked, shootout, but he, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He asked me, yeah, if I go, I think he asked me to go second. Mm. And then I said, no, 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 I, I go last one. Fifth, then, number five, which you don't always know is going to be the last one. Exactly, but, yeah. Yeah, there is a good but, chance. Uh, that was the reason yeah. why I said that. Obviously, he wanted me to go second or first mm. because I was the current penalty shooter. And then he, he said, in his view, probably is right. The best player have to go to. But uh, I feel like I said, I want to go last one. Mm. I don't know why, but uh, I, I have a, such a strong feeling about that. Mm. And Talk us through that. So you go through, you've now got a penalty to win the Champions League. Um, I've done that, not in a Champions League final, but I've done that walk from the halfway line in a big yeah. game, um, which is quite tense, isn't it? Yeah, that was the good great feeling when you walk you just first of all and all my life like come through you know when <laughs> I, I was remember i was a young boy dreaming to win champions league and then this is this the moment you know sh score the goal and and you win it what's different about a penalty shootout though is that when you play in a game normally and you've got an opportunity to score, you don't have much time to think. Yeah. But with a penalty shootout, exactly. you've got a lot of time to think about it walking up to yeah. the to the Take the spot kick, haven't you? That was the, the one, one of the reasons why I like uh, I I take the decision before, and then I walk there and I say, look, just stuck with the decision. What do you want to do? Yes. Just stay there and don't change your mind. I know if in the moment when you maybe was not sure, you change something, you're gonna miss for sure. And then I just stuck. I I said I, I wanna because I was looking Gigi Buffon. Mm. He always moving before the player uh, shooting. Yeah. And then I said you have to give you time to see where is he gonna die. That's also the moment when I took the ball, and then I look, uh, I look the referee, look the goalkeeper, referee goalkeeper. He come like that for three <laughs> or four times because I didn't hear the whistle. Uh. And then, then everybody was like, "Is he going to take this? You're going to take that?" <laughs> and I looked, uh, and then I look. Um, a referee said, "Yeah, you could go on." Good to I go. Said, okay, fine. <laughs> and yeah, and I put the ball and yeah. just give me that time yeah. to look the goalkeeper. And then I saw he was moving the sides and just slowed down slightly. And when he was diving on the right, and I put the ball on the left. There's no better sight than seeing a goalkeeper going in the opposite direction exactly, to the ball. Yeah, yeah <laughs> especially yeah. I imagine in a in a Champions League final, and you win. Um, describe the emotion of that moment if you can. Uh, it's probably is impossible, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that, yeah it's, it's it's like going on the moon. It's something, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're so happy because the game in the end was 
um, very difficult. We spend a lot of energy. I remember it was a celebration and we were so happy, but in the moment when we walked to the dressing room, we were so tired that yeah. we lying on the, on the floor yeah. and then just stayed there like for yeah. half hour just to rest. You actually fell asleep yeah. in the dressing room after the game of winning a cha Now, I find that like extraordinary. So there you are. You've won the Champions League for Milan. You scored the winning penalty. You've got all that euphoria. And then you get in the dressing room and you I'm, nod off for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> because I was, I, I lost so much energy. Yeah. Like it's so emotional. The game come and because the big revivals, we nobody want to lose the game. Even the game finished nil-nil, but it was a lot of opportunity to score. And it was the real yeah. battle. It's it's not just game. It was no. the battle. It was spent the so pressure, much energy. The emotion. And of course, I don't know. I, I think it's very difficult to people to understand how hard extra time is at the end because yeah. you, you focus on that 90 minutes and yeah. then you've got to produce again. It's incredibly exhausting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, uh, we get we did the great celebration after we my family come, my wife was there, a lot of friends and teammates. We we did a good celebration. Mm. So I believe, including because you were staying at Mottram Hall, which is a is there's a golf course at that yeah. hotel. It, you celebrating at, at five a.m. on the golf course? We was uh, outside. Uh, that was the some uh, kind of small field. I don't think there was a golf course, but golf course was yeah. closed. But like five in the morning, we start playing football. Playing football. Playing football. Yeah, just I, I remember Gattuso, Pirlo, Nesta. That was <laughs> we just start to running there yeah. because it's it so much energy uh, come that's from the had, celebration. That's because you had a good sleep for twenty minutes in the yeah, dressing room. Exactly. You, you got no. a bit more energy. Yeah. Energy to go. Um, thank you, Andre. This is fascinating stuff. Um, let's take a little break. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Welcome back to the Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker. I'm joined by Andrei Shevchenko, a fascinating chat about um, his life and uh, his career, which is all put into words in his book. Um, this is now out called My Life, My Football. Highly recommend it. Uh, I've read it over the last couple of days and um, it's it's lovely to talk um, you. to you about yeah. it, uh, Andrei. There's a very moving chapter in the book about your father and his heart problems and his heart transplant he had in the end. Yeah. That you, you, you brought him to Milan to, to do that. That must have been a, a traumatic period. It was a very difficult period. It was happening in Kiev mm. just before the very famous game Russia against Ukraine. Yes. Yeah, when we, we draw that game 1-1 and then his part of the history um, like it's a significant moment for Ukrainian football fans and in general because that game uh, is something very special for us. We we was losing one nil and I scored that in the end the goal what did we draw and then they give us was that uh, the goal from long range exactly yes. yeah yeah that goalkeeper make mistake but anyway and then. The whole story also, I mean, my, my father was didn't feel well, and then we played this game. That was um, bad press. Uh, we have to stay in, in embassy in Ukraine because that was the risky about, uh, uh, the safe risky. We, we, we have to stay in embassy. Anyway, um, my father, yeah, my father was, uh, didn't recover well about his second infarct and uh, we, we decided to move him to Italy and uh, he, he had the very, very big operation. The first one, it was the, he put him for bypass. Yeah. His recovery started to get much better, but after five months, I spoke to the doctor. He said that the heart of father uh, he, he didn't work well. And then in general, what happened, he started to come big and then he didn't work properly. And then the doctor said, we need to do some heart uh, transplant. Heart transplant, which is yeah. obviously that's, I mean, that's a huge, huge deal. And and the club and people like Berlusconi were very helpful in that period. Yeah, the club really stayed behind me and Berlusconi, he helped uh, provide uh, the, the good, good clinic and the doctor, uh, the professor Vigano, who was the professor on Apavia Hospital that time, he, he is one of the best uh, about uh, heart transplant. Yeah. And it's quite uh, difficult to find a donor for something like that, isn't it? Yeah, but that was the time when we have to wait. And then yeah. also before that, uh, my family decided for, 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 the, for the vacation go a short period to, to go back to Ukraine. Mm. And then my dad didn't feel well, he had the immunia. And then uh, I, have, I was in New York, I have to flew back to Kiev. And then basically talking to my mom, talking to the doctor. And that time he gave like probably 10 hours life for my, mm. my, my father. And I get in the time, I talk to him. And then even if it's, if it doesn't feel well that period, because the, the, the doctor was really considered that he have very short time. Anyway, we did the operation and um, uh, operation went very well. And then thank you for Professor Vigano, who, who was amazing. Yeah. And then you went to witness a heart transplant 
operation yourself, didn't you? Yeah. Actually, yeah. in inside in of the yeah in yeah. surgery room. Yeah, I think I and during that time uh, I come very close to the professor. Yeah. He he loves my family and we we had a very good yeah. dinner a couple times and then I I was also very curious because I want to know what's going on, what how this work, what yeah. the operation. Anyway, he realized that I. I'm very curious about mm -hmm. the, the this operation, and then they asked me if one day I'm gonna assist him to <laughs> to to look the operation, and I say of course. Mm -hmm. And then I still remember that was probably September, and around 11:30 he called me, and then I was 11:30 at night. Night, yeah. yeah. He called me, and then he said, Andre, this opportunity. You know, we probably, the heart going to arrive three in the morning. Mm. You have a time to come in, in hospital. If you want, if you still want to See it, yeah. assist me, I say, <laughs> of, uh, of course, yeah. And then I actually went there. I think it puts football into perspective a little bit when you see something like that, I imagine. Yeah, it's it's absolutely different uh, perspective of the see the life of the people. Mm. And then... Uh, I was basically a little bit in, on, in shock, but uh, I react well. I saw everything. I was standing and I saw the the open uh, body and uh, all the organs, everything, and uh, the, the, how everything works. I was very curious about, but it's absolutely different world that the doctors is doing an amazing job, risky, because it's some small, no, not right moves, Again, it cost life of the people. That's right. It's, it makes missing a penalty seem not no, too bad. Uh, yeah. If you get it wrong doing that, that's it's a different world. Yeah. I've, I've seen a heart operation as well. Ah, yeah. Something wow. else I've, I, I did, yeah. Not a heart transplant, but it was a heart operation. Oh. It's quite extraordinary the way yeah. they open the chest and stuff, isn't it? But oh, um, incredible stuff. Um, your father, uh, he lived on f for a while. Um, yeah. He's, he's no, no longer with us. Um, he was an important part of your life, obviously, like, and yeah. um, you, you must miss him. Yeah, I I miss him a lot. The family give me a very strong value of the principle of the life. Like, my father was a tough, tough guy because he he started working, he was a very young boy, and then he had to carry the family. He come military servant for Russia, and he, he spent his entire life to do that. Also have experience to live in abroad. He was serving the Russian army in, in Germany and then uh, east of Germany in Potsdam. This actually where is my my sister born. Hmm. Yeah, he, he, he gave me very, very strong uh, principle of the life and it's important to be kind, work hard and respect the people. Hmm. Tell me about the moment that you heard you'd won the Ballon d'Or. That was my my dream mm. because uh, growing up in uh, Ukraine and uh, be part of the Dynamo Kiev U team, and then I was big fan of Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. Go and watch the stadium, and Bilanov and Oleg Blochen, two heroes for me, both won the Palone d'Or. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 1986, Oleg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Belenov. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. you, you, you come second. Though. I came second, but I mean, 
I'm not going to whinge and go moan about it. But I mean, Bellinoff was an excellent footballer and he, he had a good World Cup and he hit one incredible goal. That goal, and he yeah. scored. I think he's scored four, but I'd scored 30. as the top scorer in the English First Division for Everton. I'd top scorer in the World Cup. I had Patrick in the Classico, four goals for England in Spain and I didn't win it. Gary, I have to. Not that I, bitter. I, I have to conf <laughs> confess something to you because I think I already told you that. But I was watching that World Cup, yeah. and then You're a child. I was I was very impressed and I, about your performance. That yeah, was you're great. Very kind. I think you played great, and you you was leader of the England team. You're very kind, but I still haven't got my Ballon d'Or. Um, <laughs> but you have. It was important to you, obviously. It's, actually, I don't think people realise in this country how big the Ballon d'Or used to be everywhere else in the world. It, it, it wasn't really a thing here. Nobody, I mean, it, what, it was, you know, the old European football of the yeah. year, and then it became, which was the Ballon d'Or eventually. But it's only in the last, I don't know, 10 years probably that it's become huge here as well that everybody talks about yeah. it maybe maybe a bit longer ago than that but it is a big thing everywhere else really huge yeah because uh, it's an indivi individual yeah. trophy it's the oscars of the football exactly yeah. yeah because uh, they actually give you opportunity you know to <laughs> great opportunity and then for me i was dreaming and then i know that moment coming for me and then i come I've said a couple times, very close. I was, I think, twice in the top three yeah. and then coming seven or eight times in top ten. But uh, the crucial moment in uh, the victory of the Polonidor for me, that was the qualified Ukraine to World Cup. And then I was the top top goal scorer for the team. I scored, I think, in, in that qualified 10 or 11 yeah. goals. And then... We was doing very well with IC Milan. We won the Scudetto and then Champions League. I was doing well. And I feel like it could be my season. Yeah. How did you hear the news? Because I, I, I don't think it's ever a surprise for the person that wins it, is it? I think they generally tell you. No, it actually it's, it depends because yeah. uh, obviously, you know, that time it was three great players, uh, Deco, Terry Henry and Ronaldinho, we all coming from great national teams, mm. France, Portugal, and Brazil. Mm. Good three players there. Yeah, yeah, great three yeah. players. I mean, and then I know equally we we both doing great, you know, and then this is what I said. I think the, the World Cup, it really like put me up on on a pole position because it, that was the first qualified for Ukraine. Obviously, you know when you're playing for France or Brazil, it's it's a different to qualified for playing for Ukraine. Mm. It's Brazil and France give you such a great team, give you a lot of opportunity. You know, for me that was I have to do a lot more for yeah. for help Ukraine to qualify. Yeah, because you, you've not got teammates that are as good yeah, as, exactly. as, as obviously Brazil yeah. or, or many of the other yeah. major playing football nations. Well, Andre has been very generous with his time, so much so that we're going to split this podcast into two episodes. And the second half of this interview will be going out next Friday, where we discuss Istanbul, uh, his time at Chelsea and some of the best players he ever played with, including the likes of Maldini, Pirlo, Ronaldinho, Beckham and Kaká. Thanks for listening and bye for now.
I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii, okay? And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy, and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.